by dying. It's time to put a stop to all the madness. You deserve so much more in your life. It's your time to glow up. Welcome to the Time to Glow Up podcast with Rebecca Hennings and guests. Your journey to transforming from the inside out begins here. Welcome back to the Time to Glow Up podcast. We're in 2021. We're still in lockdown. Things are still crazy. Um, yeah, in the UK here, we're basically told that we can um, go out for shopping, go out for medical needs and not much else, to be honest. So it's just a bit, um, a bit peak, as people would say, because um, whereas before we had the summertime, we could go out, we could go to the parks and stuff. That's not happening as much. So anyway, just wanted to get that stuff out and to put this into context. So I have a guest um, on the podcast today. And so if you're watching on YouTube, obviously you can see. Um, but if you're just listening to the podcast, the guest today is someone who inspires me, someone who I've seen around the way for many years and someone I know who has been through a major um, journey to get to where they are and it certainly wasn't an easy one she's an author her name is Sandra Carter and I would just like to say welcome Sandra hi Rebecca thank you and welcome and hi listeners hey so um yeah I want to kind of take this back to the beginning because we're both from Birmingham and I, you know I didn't really know you growing up but I knew of you I kept hearing mm. about this apples person and so I kind of want to go back to that time for a little bit, just so again, just to kind of paint the picture of who you are and where you're coming from. Uh, you had a lot to do with the hip hop world. Yes, um, I'm in, well, formerly known as a rap group called a and um, We started out in, I'd say when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother G-Man introduced me into hip hop when I was probably like 14 and mm-hmm. I just got And can I stop you there? For, so for those who don't know G-Man, G-Man in Birmingham is, is like, he's Anton Deck calling one. He's, you know, he's <laughs> the most, with the most. Um, and he's, yeah, he's been a radio DJ and, and I think he still is, but he is like big time DJ, presenter, host, and yeah, he's flamboyant and he's very well known. Sorry, carry on. Yes, yes. yes. So, um, like, my brothers were into music industry. They was doing sound systems and stuff like that. So I was exposed to hip-hop at a very early age, and I fell in love with it. Um, Because I used to write poetry, it was just another new um, area for me to just expose my creative thinking and ideas. Mm. So... over the years, myself and a few friends, we formed a rap group called A&A. Um, we had deals on the table. Really? Um, yeah, we had deals on the table. Um, some prestigious companies as well, but a lot of things didn't work out, as they say. Um, had gigs, did, did various different things. Yeah. And then I was a rock, kind of a rock cosm- cosmopolitan um, band as well. Oh, wow. Um, what did you do in that band? I was a rap artist as oh, well. Yeah. And I did a little bit of backing singing, but it was more MCs for that. Okay. So, um, over the years, I've always been into the creative arts as well. Right. Um, I used to teach dance, um, put on plays, work yeah, in the community. I'm not yeah. like yourself as well, Rebecca. It's like I haven't I've known Rebecca for many years in regards to the field and the work that you've done endlessly. Some amazing mm-hmm. pieces of work, but we've never had an opportunity mm-hmm. to work together yet, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so my background is very creative based. Um, working within the youth um, work industry, always mm-hmm. bring a creative reflection to that. 
Um, so I've just done various different things around the arts over the Brilliant. years. And do you, what, what do you think the arts have done for you? Because this is a conversation I have quite a lot about creativity. Like for me, I was a very shy child. Um, you know, I grew up in the ghetto. For me, it was, it was um, a time to escape. It was it was a way of kind of seeing the world through a different lens. And it was also um, a way of just kind of not thinking about life at home or life in the environment I was in, but I could just reimagine myself. So for you, what did the arts, how were the arts beneficial for you? Wow, um, escapism. Um, because I came from a family that allowed me to really be creative. Like my mom was a seamstress. She sold, she taught me how to sew. So it was gave me that passion to just go and study fashion. So I studied fashion, studied nice. tailoring. So I graduated in those areas. Yes. Um, so what the creative industry and the arts did for me was allow me to really expand on myself mm. without any limitations mm. and also without any fears as well yeah. so he was able to become anything and, and and experience very different um environments you know and allow yourself to expand so it yes. was for me it just allowed me to grow internally and externally see i'm listening to you and i'm seeing the cover of your your, your current book yeah. Ketura, is that how you pronounce it? Ketura. Ketura. I'm so sorry. So you'll tell me, okay. you'll tell us a bit more about this in a moment, but I'm yeah. seeing that because when I look at that, I've seen the cover so many times and yeah. I can just hear where, like, where you come from. I can hear, yeah. the, you know, that in your mind is busy. <laughs> in your yeah. mind, scenarios yeah. are going off. In your mind, there's a whole different world. Um, I can I can see that from how you're speaking. And we're going to come back yeah. to that in, in a moment, but... I know, you know, through reading your website and through, and through you said to me already um, outside of this podcast is that you struggled with dyslexia when you yeah. were younger. So I'm really interested in how you came from that position because I know that it wasn't easy for, for young people back in the day because it wasn't recognized as much as it is today. So tell yeah. us a bit about that journey for you. Right, yeah, great question, Rebecca. Well. Basically, I got, I'll go forwards and then go backwards. Yeah, I got yeah. statemented at the age of 14 university. So for people who don't realise what that means, can you just explain? Basically, that means that um, you go through a series of tests mm -hmm. and they look at your logical thinking, um, uh, looking at um, phonics and just various different tests. Um, so quite scientific, actually, really, mm. the test is. And then from that, you get a diagnosis whether you have dyslexia and what level. Because you could also have, there's not just about dyslexia, you could have dyspraxia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia. So right. all of them, they, they all change your um, uh, processing of thinking, um, how to read, how to compute um, numbers, sometimes like mobility, balance. So there's loads of different right. things. Right. Now it's classed as um, new, neuro um, diversity. So neurodiversity, right. all yes. of them come under that one okay. window. Also, um, ADHD and autism all comes right. under those windows as well. Mm -hmm. So for myself growing up, it was very difficult because I was very creative. Mm -hmm. I could kind of slip in and out of um, not knowing that I had um, a disability. Right. So um, in school, it was very difficult. It's embarrassing at times when you couldn't spell things. Mm -hmm. And with my mm -hmm. dyslexia, sometimes the words used to move around. So my eyes got really, really tired and I got yeah, frustrated. Yeah. So nobody really understands. And back in the back in the day, nobody knew what it was. So if you had something that was challenging, 
but you was focused or you had an ability in another area that focus more on that, mm-hmm. um, which is not a bad thing. However, it's difficult for those that have an issue and you didn't know what it was. Yes. So yes. for growing up for me, um, like English, one of my main areas where my dyslexia is difficult at times. Okay, English. So, so, yeah. Just cut out a bit, so I wanted, I wanted to repeat that. English. Yes, English, saying. English, yeah. like letters, um, certain phonics, certain spellings found it difficult for me mm-hmm. um, to break mm-hmm. down. Um, and it's funny, like back in school, how we need to be um, taught in a very different way from the average person. Right. Because our minds are wired completely differently. Mm-hmm. A lot of pe- dyslexics, um, including myself, we, we can work out things that are very, very difficult, but find it difficult to work out things that are e- easier. That makes sense. It sounds really crazy. Um, so like one of the experiments that they did, or say a test, <laughs> um, it was, um, they was asking me about, um, uh, I don't know, like looking at historical times and dates and things like this and I was reeling them off and all 10 successes the battle of Hastings and this 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 yeah when they asked me something simple I was like oh, I, I can't compute that so mm. it's really really fascinating that each dyslexic mind person with somebody with dyslexia we have different elements and so as a young person growing up you know you're just learning about yourself you're just trying to find your place in society how did you experience that? How did that feel? Were you around people that were supportive? You know, how did you experience it? Uh, it, it was a two. It was a two-way sword, to be quite honest, Rebecca. I had some people that, when I was younger, teased me, mm-hmm. um, and then I had some that just well, didn't really care. They just seen my creative skills and just focused on those right. abilities. Right. So I had a bit of both. And that continued, you know, continued throughout my adolescence going into college. And then it changed when I went into university. So how do we get from, okay, you've been statemented, you know, you know, you're good at some things, not great at some other things, you get into university? Yeah, it was, um, that was a blessing as well. Because if, if I didn't go to uni then, mm. I wouldn't have known. I knew something was wrong. But I didn't know what it was. So if I never went uni, then I wouldn't have been able to be diagnosed to have dyslexia. Right. I went to uni before, but I studied fashion. So it was kind of a different environment. So it wasn't really penetrating. Well, to be quite honest, maths is very um, important in, in fashion. So mm. I had to work through that because of my passion in it. But with them, um, when I went into uni, it was more academia, writing dissertations and things like mm. that. Um, it was... Um, then brought upon me the opportunity to see if I could find out if I had it. Right. So I did. And then in uni, I was assigned a tutor that would help me with, with, uh, yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah. All my life, I was yeah. struggling in that area, but I didn't make one of the things that's really important that I will stress is I didn't make it hinder my ability to succeed. Right. It just gave me more determination to do things that I wanted to do. And where did that come from? Wow. resilience um, and determination to move forward and be successful you know what? i would say it's like a blessing from god yeah. um i think the resilience has always been in me because of what i've seen my parents go through right. and how they taught us to just never give up right so um for myself i've always had that um ingrained in my, myself mm-hmm. to just continue despite mm-hmm. whatever's going on at the time mm-hmm. that you know there is a light at the end of the tunnel so mm-hmm. i've always had that resilience in me mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So then 
you, you, what did you study at university? Sorry, if it, um, I was doing um, a postgrad and an MA in creative arts and business, so it was okay. reflecting okay. around what I was doing. Right. Okay. And so, when did the idea of you becoming an, an author come form in your head? Right. Um. Do you know, uh, Rebecca? I've been writing stories since I was probably five. Mm. Yeah. Um. How everything evolved. My brothers were great comic fans and um, they had, you know, the DC and Marvel comics. And I used to um, like nick them out of their bedrooms and read them. But because of dyslexia, mm. I couldn't understand all words what was in there. Okay. So what I started to do was write my own little scripts along with wow. the stories. So then, uh, then start doing little illustrations with it. So I started to make up my own world from mm. a very young age. Mm. Um, and I just got engulfed in that. And I thought, wow, this is fun. I wonder if mm. I could do this as a living. Mm. But I just kind of left it. So um, that's where I started to develop the idea of writing and then going to youth club schools and mm. working with, like, you know, the creative industry. Mm. Um, and then being an MC, all the writing started to come out. And writing for me was about storytelling. So mm-hmm. myself and the girls in the um, rap group A, we liked writing stories more than just like, you know, fictitious things. Yes. We wrote yeah. a lot of stories, yeah. did a lot of poetry. So I was always writing. Um, and um, how the story came about is it was one night we was chilling on a Friday night after we've had um, a long week. We used to sit down and chill mm-hmm. and just started to freestyle we had this night that we used to just freestyle all night mm-hmm. um, over um instrumentals it's so much fun I do miss mm-hmm. those times as well mm-hmm. um and um the idea just popped into my head and I started to freestyle about this crator and traveling and, and I was just like so wow. I should just also say I I know what freestyle is and I assume most people know what freestyling is but just yeah. in case people don't would you just explain yeah freestyling how we define it is head topping so that basically means you are making up things on the spot. That's now, um, how, how our freestyling is deemed now, it's like you can freestyle, but your your rhymes are something that you've written before. But really? Oh, what? Shit. Yes, from the stable we came from is you have to be a great lyricist that yeah. writes content yeah. and also be able to head top freestyle. So... Yeah, I, I was never good at freestyling. I, actually, I think I'm better at freestyling now than I was back in the day. And the difference for me is that I didn't have the confidence then. It takes a massive amount of confidence right. to yeah. freestyle because you've got to be able to trust yeah. yourself that you've yeah. got to keep coming up with the lyrics, that yeah. they rhyme, that in time, yeah. everything. So that's massive. Yeah. The beauty about freestyling is, as you're saying, that is it's a freestyle. So once you free your mind and free the, your inhibitions and free mm. your fears, you just have fun. Like, mm. um, I won't I won't try and do it now because I'm a bit I won't put you under that pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, you, you'd start to go, ah, well, uh, uh, and then you go into something else. So it, it was a freeness of, the, of that. So the idea came from that. And um, also my passion in anime, I loved anime and manga when I was a kid, um, mm. as, um, you know, the, the cartoons and animation started to grow. But I didn't see um, a reflection of ourselves in there. Yeah. Again, for people who are listening, just in case you don't know, we're both black. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, it was important for me. And, and that was one of the um, important areas for me to write Katora. Mm. I wanted to see a protagonist that was of brown colour and she could be a shero and she could have multi layers to who she is as a person, not mm. just 
you know, a stereotype of, of an individual. So, so um, you weren't at all influenced by any sort of existing comic with brown people in? So Sorry, repeat so that you, again. Had you seen anything like what you wanted to create at all? No, no. Wow. Um, it was, um, you know, and that thing with Toni Morrison, if you, if you want to, it's, you know, if you if what you want to see is not out there, then write it. Yes. That saying goes. And right, yes. um, for me, you know, you'd have Storm, you'd have Bumblebee. I really liked She-Hulk. Um, that was a lady called Jennifer. Um, that was <laughs> I, I, I must say, this is where I get ignorant now, because I know <laughs> very little about manga and anime and all of that. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if I start to look a bit puzzled, you might need to break <laughs> it down. That's all right. I'll break it down. Like, you have, like, the DC and then you have the Marvel comics. Okay. And, um, you know, Incredible Hulk had a, a cousin, sorry, called Jennifer Walters. And okay. Jennifer Walters mm -hmm. became She-Hulk. Um, so heard of that? Yeah, well, she's the, the film is coming out. They're making the film right now, a new one. I'm okay. quite excited about that to see. I, so, I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? And, you know, I'm not into all of this normally. I was into The Incredible Hulk. I loved The Incredible Hulk. Mm -hmm. I would be terrified. Yeah. I loved it. Don't make yeah. me angry. You wouldn't like yeah. Mr. McGee, Mr. Yeah. McGee, you don't want to make me angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so to imagine that there might be a female version of that as a young person, would have just been yeah. oh so into it yeah yeah so for myself it was you know a few um other characters like that um that inspired me and mm. you know um lieutenant uhura from star trek um all these different that's the black woman from yeah there was a bit of pockets of people that were inspirational to me yeah but yeah. i didn't see enough of me and my dream um was to create a world that um we could exist um, alongside our other counterparts, but as main protagonists and sheroes. Yeah. 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 And so, okay, what made you finally decide that, yeah, I want to do this? And did you have a particular deadline by which you were going to finish the book? And did you meet that deadline? Right. How did that whole process work? Um, yeah. What made me do that? I, I, I previously started, um, I did a children's book, but I didn't publish it. Um, sometimes I wish I did, but everything's by the blessing of God. So I, um, I had a um, children's book. I didn't publish it, and I had a dream. And then, as far as I'm concerned, it was just like the Almighty woke me up one morning and said, "Write Katora," and I was like, in my mind, like, "Wow, um, I don't even know where to begin." Mm -hmm. um, I've had ideas of it um, many years ago. So, um, well, I'm 51 now. So the idea was 30. One years ago, one 31 years ago, I had wow. the idea. Um, so it came, it just came on me to start writing it. Yeah. Um, I had little pieces of the idea of it, and then I just started to evolve. Mm. I had the freestyle, I had the cassette tape, I played it back, and I thought, wow, okay, this is interesting. And then I started to just think about it. And it was um, it came one night when I was working late, I used to work in children's homes, mm. and um, I was going on my way to work, and then the whole of the end of the story came to me. Mm. Um, and that's how I work actually as a writer. I see the horizon of a story, right. I see the end. Yes. before the beginning happens wow. so um then I just embarked on writing the story um which took around six years to write six um yes so obviously you weren't writing every day then um I was I was writing every day pieces here piece in there I didn't I didn't um you know and they say that you know you can then um, procrastinate or yeah. you know have a writer's block I was just 
freeing myself to just write this story. So you allowed um, the story to come through you is what I'm hearing. You weren't yeah. rushing the process. It was no, just, okay. no, I just, I just really enjoyed the process of yeah. it. And um, from those six years, basically I wrote three books wow. in six years, but I've put out the first one. Right. Okay. Um, 2019. Wow. Time has gone. Um, 2019. Um, so it's been a long, you know, labor of love, a long process to get to this point. <laughs> Is it, is it, how has it been published? Have you self-published it? Yes, I've self-published. And so what's that process like? Um, for me at the time, it was daunting because I didn't know where to begin and what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to various events and I spoke to various people, the best way to do it. Should I go to publishing houses? Should mm-hmm. I, you know, you know, self-publish it? And eventually um, I got to a point where I was able to get enough information to then go down the publishing route. But you can always, the thing is as well, you can always change and, you know, change the way you're going to publish it or do it mm-hmm. externally. Mm-hmm. Well, I went through Amazon, something called KP, KDP. Right, um, okay. Direct Publishing. So what was it like when you got that first copy of your book, the first, oh, first hard copy? Rebecca, Rebecca, my goodness, I barred like a baby. Oh. Yeah, it, was, it was my book, baby. Yeah. I remember um, a friend of mine bought me a bottle of champagne for my yes. birthday. I said I'm going to open it on a special occasion and I've left it there for years I was just like it can brew it's not going to go bad yeah and um and that night I popped that champagne and me oh. and Jesus dance and sing and and performed and you know just celebrated just you know that milestone it was it was overwhelming actually it must have been because that's like not only is it getting up there I guess I imagine it's like you know almost like seeing your life flashing before you those those difficult moments as a young person having to deal with dyslexia or not even knowing what was wrong with you and then you know finally finding out ah this is what it is going through university doing all that creative work but also knowing that you've got these stories inside of you and finally 31 years later yeah Yeah, it was overwhelming and you know to be quite honest it still is yeah Um, like right now you got the listeners and the viewers can't see it but I'm looking at the second book cover and it's just as exciting um it was it's overwhelming it's overwhelming I always say Sorry, I was always saying everybody's got a book inside of them. So it's not well, too- listen, you're, you're inspiring me. And so same with the last yeah. guest. I've got a, a 10 books I've written. I love to write. I will yeah. write. Get me to publish them. There's something <laughs> else. So all of this, this, this feeds me. And I hope that it's doing for listeners as well. If that this is something you want to do, and whether, whether it's actually writing a book or something else that you want to create, it's it's listening to people like you that have actually just kind of said, you know what? the time and I'm not going to rush it I'm not going to necessarily you know because often we want things like right now we want things like yesterday yeah. and I think that's part of my problem sometimes but you just took your time and you let it come through you with such a natural process and you've done it that's massively inspirational um and not only have you written one book but you say there's three there's three yes it's a trilogy um I was due to look at doing a prequel a prequel is basically the beginning of the story before right. it to the first one but I'm indecisive because I've got so many other books inside of me yeah. that I yeah. want to um, write so the prequel um after I finish the trilogy I'll, I'll probably look and work in a different area of yeah. sci-fi yeah. um and then come back at another time just briefly tell us um for the well who is the Katora for like what sort of age group and who, um, who might be the ideal reader for this it's a YA that means um young adults I deliberately don't don't put profanity in my mm. um, 
stories or there's not um, it's called moderate um violence so my book has moderate violence you don't hear somebody's getting decapitated and the blood pouring and all. Right. it's not like that so it's a, a child that is really good at reading mm. um can pick up that book and start reading um and as people that are into the book it's someone that's probably not even um fancied reading a sci-fi fantasy book but mm-hmm. someone that likes adventure um and then also people that are into fantasy but looking at it on the through my eyes mm. you know then um you know the norm you know there's only a small percentage of i think it's um four percent of books come from people of color and um, only the four percent of the characters are people of color out of a 36 percent really you're one of those authors yeah i'm really proud of that i'm really proud to know that i've made you know i've added to that library so that's amazing this black history right here like i'm just hearing (laughs) and i'm thinking when i'm thinking to myself you know i always like to be honest you know i'm not going to buy every guest book that comes on because i'm not necessarily interested in those areas but i'm thinking i actually would like to buy this because I think it'd be useful for my daughter because she's never seen any of that. I didn't see that. As I said, had yeah. I seen, let's say, a black version of Incredible Hulk, mm. a black female version even better, mm. it would have been massively inspiring for me and yes. I might have taken more of an interest. Yes, so I think, most you know, definitely. For that reason alone, it's important that we, and I say we, I don't mean just black people, but that a wide range of people own Mm. copies of books like this because it is about diversifying the way we think about the roles that we play in society we're we're not just one thing yeah i mean especially in this story um i don't want to spoil it for people Hmm. um i one of the things that's important for me was that i'm looking at a matriarchal system Mm. and for those who don't know what a matriarchal system is we live in a patriarchal system right now Mm -hmm. and it's not working very well that means it's Mm -hmm. male dominated Mm -hmm. um and in a matriarchal system it's more female balanced not dominated because this is a misconception where people um look at matriarchal systems matriarchal systems were more balanced there was Mm -hmm. more equality to it Mm -hmm. and within my story say for instance king javari of solomon who um, Mm -hmm. governs over new oren He's highly ranked in his um, um, status. But then you have somebody called Gogo Mekia, who's the old, real, wise woman in there. And they have the same regard and respect for her. So it, it was important for me to give those layers of respect within my, my story. Oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> I just feel like um, I'm so glad that we're talking. You know, you just feel it like I'm really glad we're talking because I didn't know a lot of your I didn't know a lot of your story. I didn't yeah. know where this came from. I didn't know the depth to your to you to your book. As I said, it's not something I would look at and think, oh, I want to pick this up. It's not my type of book. But yeah. Just for the very fact that I mean, for the reasons I mentioned, as soon as you come off here, I'm buying your book <laughs> and, and, and I'll take a picture with it to prove it. Yeah. Because yeah, I just yeah. think it's, it's so it's such a massive feat on so many different levels, you know, you're changing the game, you know, you will inspire so many other people to do very similar things. Yes, do you know what I mean? yes, yeah. A beautiful thing happened for me, actually, as you're saying that, Rebecca. Um, I do illustration and I've been working with my teacher, um, Chris, and he's one that's worked with me to do the front cover of the book. Mm. Um, my second book's cover. So hold on, you created the front cover? With my with my teacher, wow. right? Yeah, he he's a dongargan, so he really he twisted it over That's and got amazing. it to that. 
and then the second book um I commissioned a young person to do the cover because I believe yes. in giving back and giving people opportunities that won't really get them yeah. um, um so which I'm really excited about um I've just lost my train of thought. Sorry. No, 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 it's, no it's, it's, it's okay. Um, I was asking you about you illustrating because I I'd seen a few yes. illustrations on your, yes, your Instagram yeah. page, but I didn't realize that you were like yeah. really. It yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it just comes pass and parcel with yeah. it. I just you know with the sci-fi, like I like the whole thing cosplay. There's so much more as well. I, I can't really say yet. There's so many more stuff that's going to be coming out yeah. alongside to accompany the books. Um, so, which. So, how can people continue to follow your journey? Where do they find you online? I would say it would be easier to find, um, follow me um, or check out my website, which is www.katora, that's K-E-T-T-O-R-A-H.com. And you'll find all the links to all of my other social media. I find that's easier. Yes, yeah. And of course, what I'll do, um, if, if you're listening to this on the podcast, all the podcasts, because uh, people can access it in many different ways, but all the podcast episodes on the time to glow up up.co.uk website. So I'll include links, a link to your website there. So again, it's a place that people can get your book from. Yeah. So the, I just got one final question to ask. Well, actually, I feel like you kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Yeah. Um, what next for you? So we know you've got more books coming out, but what is it you really want to have achieved? Wow time you're like uh, you're like you're done with all this um it sounds quite arrogant i could say create an empire from that um to, yeah yeah to create a really um uh financial um financially secure business that yeah. can um not only change the narrative of um the sci-fi industry as you can see there's so many different sci-fi um, protagonists that are coming out of people of colour and Asian mm. and Chinese, which is great to see. Mm. Um, I'd like to put Birmingham on the map in regards to our um, offering to yes. those genres yes. as well, yeah. as well as um, to support. I'd like to do some more support, like with my philanthropy work, I want to be developing for the dyslexia. I have something called Dyslexic Godmother, um, okay. basically, and, and that is to help to highlight um, the difficulties for young people and adults with dyslexia. So I really want to develop that as well yeah. and create opportunities and different platforms. Um, and then just see where all of that evolves. I love it. I love it all. And and I just, you know, I know that now is a good time because more people are seeing people of colour, black people and so on. So I really just hope that, this, you know, that that is going to happen for you because you deserve it we all deserve Thank it you. um as in we deserve more than we've been given um and so i really hope that a light is shone on the work that you do i know that you've been out and about and you've had loads of um interviews or i feel like you've had lots of moments before covid um yes. to talk about the katora so i hope that's con continues throughout this pan um, pandemic and beyond and just i wish you all the best all the thank best. you thank you and thank you for creating this platform for us to be able to share our journeys it's a pleasure being here thank you rebecca yeah, yeah, yeah. this is my way of service so you're very welcome right thank you, thank you.